If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, Jeff and I are going to take a look at three important emerging technologies that we think are really impacting the learning landscape, uh, specifically the Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, and virtual reality. Before we do that, though, we want to be sure to highlight our annual Leading Learning Symposium. This is an event designed specifically for senior leaders at organizations in the business of lifelong learning, continuing education, and professional development. The symposium takes place this year on October 24th and 25th in Baltimore, and we have a great group of folks coming together for this already, folks who are really interested in increasing the reach, revenue, and impact of what they have to offer. To find out about the symposium and to see great things that last year's attendees had to say about it, you can visit symposium.leadinglearning.com. We'd also like to thank Naylor Learning Solutions, powered by Blue Sky eLearn, for being the sponsor for this episode of the Leading Learning Podcast. And you can find out more about Naylor Learning Solutions at naylor.com slash learning hyphen solutions. So Jeff, maybe what we should do is just start um, things off by talking a little bit about what we mean by the Internet of Things and virtual reality and, and artificial intelligence. Yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, I mean, these are three areas that uh, have been, I guess, trending for a while now. Um, seem to be picking up a lot more steam recently, particularly artificial intelligence and virtual reality, though I also think the Internet of Things is, you know, really insinuating itself into our lives more than each of us realize. And, you know, we've been thinking for quite a while now that these things are going to have a significant impact for any organization that's in the business of lifelong learning, continuing education and professional development. In fact, we did a session on this. You delivered a, a content pod on this at uh, Learning Technology Design, our, our spring event, and um, wrote a blog post after that. But uh, we've been mulling it over and just um, you know, really feel like this is something we should focus in on. So like you said, let's, let's talk a, a little bit initially about you know, what these three things are. Um, so you know, the, the first one um, that we're going to raise is the, the Internet of Things. You know, and this is uh, <laughs> sort of the lighthearted view on it. This is your refrigerator talking to you, you know, all the, all the things in your house um, connected up to the internet, uh, you know, so all sorts of appliances, your, your wearable devices, you know, basically everything that could have software in it or could be or can communicate some sort of data or information over a network being hooked into uh, the internet. And, you know, ultimately the internet of things is going to represent a learning network. I mean, it creates an environment around us that's capable of creating and processing massive amounts of data, and, and data is at the core of everything that uh, we're talking about here. It certainly contributes to the next item we want to talk about, which is artificial intelligence. Right, and so by artificial intelligence, we really mean um, the ability of machines or software to acquire and then begin to apply knowledge and skills. So basically, their ability to learn, the, the ability of machines to learn. So that, that artificial intelligence, that's what we have in mind when we think about that term. 
Right. And then, you know, the, the, the next one we want to talk about, the third one we want to talk about in this episode is virtual reality. And um, virtual reality is one of those things that's been around for, for quite a while now in, in one form or another. Um, most of the forms in the past have been pretty clunky when it comes, you know, right down to it and involved, you know, wearing heavy suits uh, to try to simulate a, a situation. Or, you know, uh, on, on the web, uh, folks may remember um, Second Life, sort of the, the virtual world that um, created a, a lot of waves several years ago but never really um, took off. But that is changing. Um, virtual reality is becoming, in fact, a, a reality. It is becoming much more affordable, much, much better. In fact, we'll, we'll talk about some examples of that. Um, and again, it, it's something that uh, is going to open up new possibilities for how people learn and, and how effectively uh, they're able to learn. So Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, virtual reality, you know, all topics that we want to tackle in, in this episode. Um, but, but maybe you know, before we start getting into the, the specifics of what each of those can mean for learning, um, let's talk a little bit about you know, why. All of these things have been around for, for a while now. Um, in one form or another, they sort of had waves up and down in terms of the hype and, and the uh, the actual science uh, available around them. Um, but you know, we're at a we're at a tipping point now. At least at least we both believe we're at a tipping point, and these are going to become a permanent part of our culture and a permanent part of the learning landscape. And so let, let's talk a little bit about you know why that is, so that, uh, that everybody understands why this is important right now. Yeah. So some of the changes that are, are driving the, the fact that these what used to seem like really um, futurish. Uh, type thinking to really make them part of today's landscape. I mean, we have just an amazing increase in hardware processing power and an amazing increase in, in bandwidth. And I think those two things uh, alone ha have done a lot to really push these things forward. You can have very small devices that are capable of processing a lot of power, and then you have the bandwidth that can allow those devices to connect to the internet, to have the internet send and receive signals back and forth and connect these devices in a, in a fairly quick and seamless manner. And I think, you know, people are fond of saying, I'm not sure exactly how true this is, but that the, you know, the computers that we all now carry around in our pockets or our pocketbooks or whatever are more powerful than the ones that, you know, put people on the moon uh, decades ago. I don't know if that's exactly true, but, but nonetheless, we have very, very powerful computers that we're all carrying around right now. We're also now, you know, generating, uh, and, and because of the hardware and because of the bandwidth, able to send and process massive amounts of data. And particularly when you're, when, you know, when you're trying to create a virtual reality environment, when you're trying to create an artificial intelligence that's really going to be able to learn and have the basis for the knowledge that it's developing, you have to have massive amounts of data. I mean, think about how much data our own brains process just to be able to perceive things and imagine things and touch things. We're now starting to have those volumes of data being generated. The Internet of Things is, you know, something that's contributing um, to that data, but all of our activity, you know, on the Internet, on the web, day in and day out with all of the different devices that we use is providing just this, this tremendous foundation on which to build uh, the, these uh, technologies that we're talking about here. And in fact, that volume of data would be overwhelming, can be overwhelming, um, were it not for algorithms. I mean, so really we're developing to these, these ways of taking that data and looking at it, looking for patterns, shaping it. And so we've gotten better and better at those types of algorithms. And I think that's another key to why 
these technologies have taken off. Yeah, and this is an area that really blows my mind. I mean, I never, I was an okay math person, but uh, when you get into, you know, the, the level of, of logic and, and, and thinking um, that drives the types of algorithms that can actually learn, you know, that run through processes, but then can improve based upon what they learn in those processes, that kind of blows my mind. But there are people out there definitely who, who know how to do this. Um, and if, if that's a topic you're interested in relative to this, uh, I'll also say I've, I've been reading a great book lately called The Master Algorithm, and the subtitle is uh, How the Quest for the Ultimate Learning Machine Will Remake Our World. And it's by uh, Pedro Domingos, who's a professor, I, I believe, at the University of Washington, if I'm remembering correctly. But he's been very involved in the whole machine learning and artificial intelligence uh, revolution. And he walks through you know, the, the different schools of thought around these algorithms, how they're getting developed, what they're good for. Um, and as you can imagine, there are a lot of competing ideas out there right now. But it's also just a really, really productive ferment um, that's moving forward very rapidly. And so we have this, you know, more data, better algorithms, we have the the greater um, processing power, we have uh, greater access to bandwidth. And so all of that has also led to more money being invested in these yeah, areas. Yeah, your, your average venture capitalist right now is very interested in, in all three uh, of these areas. And companies are investing a lot in, in these areas. I mean, Facebook is putting a ton of money into artificial intelligence. They bought Oculus Rift, which is one of the main virtual reality devices that's available out there right now. Google investing in artificial intelligence very heavily. In fact, they've always considered themselves more of an artificial intelligence company than a search company. And they, too, are doing things with, um, with, with virtual reality. In fact, maybe we can talk about Google Glass here in, in a little bit and our experiences uh, with that. Um, IBM with its Watson initiative. I mean, some people are saying, a lot of people are saying that you know the future of IBM really is in Watson and is in what they're doing with artificial intelligence. And so a lot of capital flowing into this. And then also businesses that are able now to actually access and license um, different types of artificial intelligence and, and, and different tools that they can then build off of without necessarily having to have you know, the, the team of programmers and scientists that an IBM has. So that's opening up other financial possibilities around these as well. And that's going to help to fuel growth. And then, of course, you know, as all of that is happening, um, it, this is becoming a very interesting area to work in. I mean, it's already been an interesting area to work in for years. And so talent is really pouring into this. You're, you're seeing new jobs created. You're seeing, you know, the best and brightest really focused on this. So I, I think we're just having a, a convergence of forces around these technologies that are going to make them a very important and very permanent part of the landscape. And we already see plenty of examples out there of, of how uh, all of these have come into the workplace, how they're changing, you know, the, the whole job landscape and, and, and how they're changing uh, learning overall. So, for example, you know, you look at the field of uh, manufacturing, um, I mean, any number of manufacturing jobs at this point uh, are making use of robotics, um, which are being driven uh, by different types of algorithms, uh, artificial intelligence. You know, if you're, if you're in any sort of job in, that involves like, you know, surveillance or security, um, the Internet of Things, you know, again, uh, is going to be coming into play there. Um, it's so easy now to, um, to do that surveillance, to do that security work remotely um, or on an automated basis because of what uh, machines are making available. It's becoming a huge thing in the world of uh, marketing and sales. Salesforce is very focused on uh, artificial intelligence, for example, because you know you can now assess a market with all the data that's available to a, to a degree that was just never uh, possible, even with a huge team of analysts in the past. So if you're, you're, if you're an analyst, a research analyst in any field um, at this point, you, know, you need to be looking over your shoulder for what's possible. Um, and the list goes on and on. I mean, you think about what drones are, are potentially going to be doing. You think about self-driving 
self-driving cars. I mean, all of this stuff is driven by artificial intelligence. Basically, if you, you know, if you can reduce a, a job or a task down to any sort of predictable, repeatable process, it can be done by a machine. Um, and then we're even moving beyond that where it doesn't have to be as predictable. Um, the machine can actually learn and adapt. And that, that's where we're going with all of these things. Right. And I think an interesting thing to note, too, is not only can it be done by a machine, arguably it can be done better by a machine. I mean, that's the whole premise behind the, the self-driving car, for example, right? It's going to be that much more uh, safe and secure than, than having humans behind the wheel. Yeah, and that, that leads into um, why all of this matters so much uh, if you're an organization that's focused on facilitating, supporting, delivering, learning uh, of any sort in any field or industry. Um, you need to be looking at uh, you know, what the impact of these technologies potentially can be and then figuring out how you're going to adjust and adapt uh, to uh, the changes that are being created as your organization moves forward. Right. So for example, I mean, these technologies are going to impact what we need to learn. They're going to impact the, the jobs that humans are needed to fill because there's the potential for more and more um, uh, machines, more and more artificial intelligence to take over a lot of what we've done. Um, so I think it's going to put a real emphasis on this meta skill of, of collaborating with machines to learn. And it's going to make that even more important than it, than it has been. And, that, you know, arguably it's important now, right? I mean, you know, just a, a simple uh, ability to use search effectively, you know, so that you can go out there and, and Google things and find the right information. That's sort of uh, the first step in that direction now. And I think that level of being comfortable with using machines to fulfill our jobs is just going to grow and grow. Yeah, that question of just what is going to be really important. If you're somebody who's actually trying to put together a catalog or you know learning experiences, your programming, whatever it is, that could change now because some jobs are going to be replaced. Um, almost all jobs are you know going to, as you said, you know, be in a position where you're going to need to be able to really leverage what machines are able to provide. So um, you know you'll you'll be able to enhance certain jobs based on what uh, machine learning or artificial intelligence or virtual reality. Uh, can do, but making sure that you're actually providing the, the programming that um, either A, if it is a totally you know new job that's going to have to be created in, in your industry, that you're providing the knowledge and skills for that, or if people are going to have to learn to, to work in a fundamentally different way because some of the things that they used to do as a matter of course in their job are now being done by machines, you know, how then do they collaborate uh, effectively with machines um, going forward in, in whatever field or industry they're in. And um, there's a good study we'll link to uh, on this um, from uh, McKinsey. They try to make it just fairly digestible, you know, um, where machines are going to be able to potentially replace humans and where they're probably not going to be able to uh, at any point in the, in the near future. And they actually go through um, the Department uh, of uh, Labor's um, statistics uh, for different jobs and, and come up with, you know, kind of percentages on how replaceable they think a, a particular job area is uh, versus not replaceable. And, and we'll link to, um, to that study in the show notes for this episode. Well, great. And I think then uh, another thing is, is that these technologies, um, you know, if you're thinking about the Internet of Things and, and virtual reality and artificial intelligence, I, what I find most fascinating is that while they feel like these very kind of, you know, futurish um, types of, of technologies, they really, to my mind, get back to some of our, our most desired goals for learning anyway. So, you know, it makes possible just-in-time learning 
that you can deliver right at the point of need, that just becomes that much more of a reality. I mean, if you have these these things that are connected to the internet that are maybe getting you know data from from your body, from your environment, and and can help you do things with those, it can provide you with triggers that then let you know what you need to be doing in the moment. Um, I think it also ties into personalized learning because if you don't actually have to have kind of the one-on-one, the tutor right there with the, the the student or the mentee kind of going through it and saying, this is what you should be focusing on. If you can get that uh, virtual, uh, if you, excuse me, if you can get the artificial intelligence there that's really kind of doing that work in the background, you really can personalize that learning. And then, you know, all of this allows you to just make that learning that much more important to really focus it on those higher levels of learning, you know, the synthesis and the evaluation, the higher levels of Bloom's taxonomy, which I think also ties back to that point of when you look at what is likely to be replaced in careers, it's going to be some of those, um, you know, jobs that focus around some of the lower levels of, of learning. And so if we can focus higher, which all of these technologies make possible, I think it's going to be uh, potentially the chance for us really to deliver on some of these holy grails that we've been after for a long time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's really exciting um, just, you know, how far we're now going to be able uh, to go. But again, this means, you know, that uh, the learners have to be brought along um, and, uh, you know, uh, helped to embrace um, these new technologies in productive ways. And I think that's another role for organizations that are in the, the business of lifelong learning. There's a great um, video that uh, we'll reference here that uh, Peter Diamandis uh, put together. And Peter does all sorts of things, but one of the things he, he's known for is um, founding the X Prize um, uh, Foundation, uh, I believe it is, where they um, they give prizes, uh, large prizes for people to kind of compete uh, to uh, develop solutions to to big issues. And he's really, you know, learning is something he's very focused on right now because he thinks these technologies, particularly virtual reality and artificial intelligence, uh, are really going to transform learning, what's possible with learning. And he looks at, at it as, you know, uh, learning becoming as addictive as gaming is, is right now because of how immersive um, and how personal uh, it can be. And, and we'll link to that video. So, you know, you've definitely got this, you know, shift in, in the what uh, what do you need to be teaching based on how your field or industry is going to be changed by the introduction of these three technologies that we've been talking about? Are new jobs going to emerge that you need to provide training and education for? Are current jobs going to change significantly and you need to help people with that? You're now going to have the better tools for doing that than you've ever had before. And then I think it's worth you know pointing out too, I mean, if you're in this business, if you're in the business of lifelong learning, uh, continuing education and professional development, you should expect that your learners' expectations are going to be changing. I mean, they're experiencing all this stuff in one way or another, whether they're linking it to learning explicitly or not. Um, so they're going to start thinking about, you know, wanting these more dynamic types of learning experiences that uh, we're talking about. They're also going to be experiencing some of the pain out there in the, in the, in the job market um, that's potentially coming from this. Your competition's going to be looking at this. I mean, th- this is simply going to impact what gets offered out there um, in this business. So, you know, if you're forward thinking at all, if you want to be strategic about the future of your education business, you have to be tuning into this stuff. And and that's a good segue into kind of a, a wrap up for this episode is, you know, if you, if you are an organization, um, knowing these things are, are, are now out there, what should you be doing? Well, so I think first and foremost, there's just a uh the, the educating yourself, making sure that you are tuned in to what's happening uh, in these arenas and in the technology and um, aware of some of the uh, applications of how it is being used now so that then you can start thinking about how it applies specifically to your field or industry and to those learners that you serve. And Jeff, I know you have 
a practical recommendation that is one that you like to to offer a lot in terms of uh, how to move things forward. Yeah, I, th- I think a theme you'll always uh, hear from me is getting people into a room with a whiteboard and you know really thinking things through and, and, and capturing ideas, kind of, you know, the, the traditional brainstorming, but with a, you know, a real focus to it um, and, and hopefully very productive. And in this case, I think it's really more about scenario planning uh, as much as anything else. You know, so for example, you know, if you think about something like the Internet of Things, um, all of these different uh, types of ma- machines and, and devices being connected together out there in the world and generating all of this data, I mean, think about, you know, what that might uh, help you learn about uh, the field or industry that you serve or about what the people you serve are, are doing, because that's going to inform, obviously, the, the types of learning experiences you need to create for them. You know, so, for example, I mean, it, probably an easy uh, one is, you know, if you are in manufacturing and increasingly all of those machines are hooked into the Internet of Things, so they're producing data that can be collected and aggregated and analyzed, you know, what does that tell you? What could that potentially tell you about, you know, how those machines might be used more effectively, about what workers might be doing better than they're doing right now? Um, you know, that's just kind of a, a low-hanging fruit example. But um, for really, you know, it, same thing could apply in, in the medical world, for example. I mean, all of these devices that are now connected into patient care, you want to take the data you get off of those and then figure out, okay, what does that mean in terms of, you know, potential learning experiences, training interventions, things that seem to be, you know, emerging right now that people need to know about based on this data, there's a, there's a whole wealth uh, that you could be working with to, to think about what you're going to deliver to your learners. Well, I was just reading about some of the sensor technology. So, you know, you'll have uh, car insurance companies that if you can, uh, they'll place a sensor in your car and so they'll actually look at your driving data. You know, do you tend to speed? Do you brake hard? And then so they're actually able to then charge you a premium based on your actual behavior mm-hmm. versus, um, you know, kind of taking a guess based on your age and where you live and how much you drive and all of that. So, you know, that's just one small example of, again, kind of what kind of data we might be getting from the Internet of Things. I mean, I think another area where you could focus on um, some scenario planning is just around, okay, so what? how how we deliver education, what might we use among these technologies? What might actually make a better learning experience? Is there a way that we can begin to incorporate um, virtual reality? Is there a way that we can make use of um, artificial intelligence? And I know, uh, you know, one example that I've seen is that, you know, there are virtual TAs in online courses now, you know, so you can take an artificial intelligence and you can have that person or that, you know, uh, that intelligence responding to a lot of the questions so that then you can kind of free up um, your human uh, teaching assistants or your human professor for maybe some of those higher order levels of thinking. So just starting to think through, okay, what would it look like to begin to use some of these technologies? And, you know, it'll be probably along a continuum what you might begin to experiment with now versus what you might head towards over, you know, a five-year plan. But, you know, to begin to think about that, I think, has a lot of power. Yeah, and I think that um, virtual reality may actually be the the lowest hanging fruit here. Um, you know, it's possible, even without a big budget, to at, at least dabble around a little bit with what's possible there. Uh, you know, there are, you can get access to the, I guess, the, the platform. It's more of a platform, I think, than, than a language uh, for Google Cardboard to actually um, create virtual reality type experiences. And then, the, you know, the mechanism for using those uh, is the smartphone. Um, you know, that that is the tool. And of course, most of your learners are going to have that. So, you know, even for an organization that, you know, isn't necessarily in the, the big budget, 
budget range, you know, to consider, okay, if we were to, you know, transport somebody virtually to uh, a particular city or a particular job site or whatever the case might be, and, and give them a way to experience that more fully than they might, even through a video, you know, on the, on the internet, that could be very valuable. And I think that's increasingly within the reach of even smaller organizations. And I think certainly larger organizations can definitely be looking at, at those types of technologies at this point. And another idea for your scenario planning session there in a room with a whiteboard is to run what we're calling the automation test. So just think about what jobs or, or tasks um, in your industry or field you know, might be replaced or significantly changed by the development of an artificial intelligence. You know, so uh, looking at what might change or be replaced, but also then thinking about, okay, as a result of that, what new jobs might be created? And then thinking about those new jobs, the altered jobs, the jobs that have gone away, think about the impact then on your educational programs. What is it that you should be uh, evolving towards as your overall offering? Yeah, we're offering that as the, the last point here, but uh, in, in many ways, it's probably the, the place where a lot of organizations uh, should start. And I think it is very fruitful to have multiple people with multiple perspectives in the room for that. You might do it, you know, in, in conjunction with an annual meeting or something like that. So you also have val volunteers, you know, people out in the field participating it and participating in it and, you know, really carving out a good chunk of time to, to think through in as much detail as you can. What what does it mean if, you know, these jobs go away um, or they have to be done in a significantly different way? And that's that has the potential to open up a lot of opportunities for an organization to really step out there and lead learning in the, the field or industry that they're serving, which, of course, is what this podcast is all about and, and why we wanted to discuss the Internet of Things, virtual reality, and artificial intelligence today. And so as we're wrapping up, we will uh, mention again the Leading Learning Symposium. You can get information about that at symposium.leadinglearning.com. And again, thanks to Naylor Learning Solutions for sponsoring this podcast episode. To get show notes for this episode, and we will link to quite a few things that were mentioned during the episode, so uh, we do encourage you to, to go visit. Um, you can get those at leadinglearning.com slash episode 50. And while you're there, you'll see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And as always, we uh, would really appreciate it that if you haven't subscribed already, if you would consider please doing that. We would also appreciate it if you would take just a minute and give us a rating on iTunes. You can do that by going to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. And it does help uh, make a world of difference in others finding the podcast. So we appreciate it. And the others who don't yet know about this podcast appreciate it. And so also along those lines, please consider telling others about the podcast. And you can send out a tweet simply by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. Or if you don't want to tweet or if you want to do something in addition to tweeting, you can use any other social network and borrow some of the language we use in that automated tweet uh, or uh, make up some language of your own just to tell people how great you think the Leading Learning Podcast is. So thanks again and see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.